0: Good morning Wallenstein Bible Chapel. Uh, you will note very quickly that I am not there with you live and um, just have experienced some cold symptoms over the last day or so and so wanted to follow protocols which we need to be careful to do today and not be with you physically uh, but I do certainly want to thank Rhoda and Andreas and others who have scrambled with me to help uh, make this message possible, so I'm pre-recording it from my home office, so welcome to my home office. Uh, I spent a lot of time in here over the last year and a half teaching phys ed, as I mentioned last week, and also recording or speaking live on Sunday morning, so uh, the first thing I need to clarify for people is no, I did not paint that picture behind me. Um, just a scene for us to have behind us of kind of a nice place to be. I believe it's Italy, uh, I think. Uh, and usually that wall behind me is full of pictures, full of family things and family vacations and people, but I have found that people tend to be looking over my shoulder <laughs> and kind of trying to figure out who's in those pictures. So it is it is what it is, and uh, I appreciate the chance uh, to do this and uh, have really appreciated the opportunity to prepare these messages, both last last week and this, in your series, Living Hope. Uh, the message this morning is entitled, The Future of Our Faith, and our scripture reading is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 50 to 58. So if you have a Bible with you, please turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and we'll read verses 50 to 58. The Apostle Paul writes, I declare to you, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your precious truth. Thank you for the Holy Scriptures. Thank you for the indwelling power of your Holy Spirit. Speak to us now, we pray. We'll be careful to give you all the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. As a kid, I used to get really stoked, really pumped up when I turned uh, on uh, Saturday afternoons to ABC, uh, probably black and white in those days on the television to watch uh, Wide World of Sports. And I really got pumped up when I heard Jim McKay, that long time broadcast with ABC, introduce Wide World of Sports with that statement the thrill of victory and the agony of defeat. Let me begin this morning by by asking you what you prefer to experience the thrill of victory or the agony of defeat personally I've experienced both both victory and defeat and friends I will choose the thrill of victory every time every time I'll choose the thrill of victory how about you you know, over those 35 years of teaching Phys Ed, we had to get creative a lot of times on how to choose teams. How do you pick teams? You don't want that same kid picked last every time in that whole scenario. We don't like doing that kind of stuff. So often I would just choose the teams. And it was amazing how often it worked out where I just was able to do a quick scan of the gym and say, okay, those with dark colored shirts on, go over here. Those with lighter colored shirts on, go over there. Yeah, it worked. It often worked and it worked beautifully. Sometimes I'd get more creative. But you know what? We never would have played a game if I chose to do something like this. All right, guys, this morning we're going to play basketball. Uh, Those that want to be on the winning team, go over there. Those who want to be on the losing team, go over there. Friends, there would have not been one kid in 35 years that would have chosen to go over to the losing side. Do you choose victory or do you choose defeat? You know, as a coach, as an athlete, I'll choose the thrill of victory over the agony of defeat every time. As a human being with an eternal soul, I'll also choose the thrill of victory. How about you? In the context of 1 Corinthians 15, we read about the celebration of victory. In verse 57, we read, But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. I want to begin near the end of our passage because we need to understand the end from the beginning. We need to understand and appreciate how the story, how the game ends, because when we do, hope results, living hope results, and the issues of life are put into their proper perspective. Lyle Araki shares this insight. In Hawaii, because of the time difference with the continental U.S. The National Football League Monday night football game is played at mid-afternoon, so the local TV station delays its telecast until 6.30 in the evening. When my favorite team plays, I'm too excited to wait for television, so I'll listen to the game on the radio, which broadcasts it live. Then, because they're my favorite team, I'll watch the game on television, too. If I know my team has won the game, it influences how I watch it on TV. If my team fumbles the ball or throws an interception, it's not a problem. I think, that's bad, but it's okay, because in the end, we win. In this world, you will have trouble, said Jesus, but take heart, I have overcome the world when going through trouble, knowing the final outcome makes all the difference." The future of our faith is victory that's the title of this message today the future of our faith is victory did you get that the future of our faith is eternal victorious living in heaven with a new resurrected body where there will be no more pain no more sorrow no more tears this week i read this devotional written by c.h spurgeon and commenting on isaiah 65 verse 19 which says this I will rejoice in Jerusalem and be glad of my people no more shall be heard in it the sound of weeping and the cry of distress CH Spurgeon went on to write in response to that verse in heaven the glorified do not weep for all outward causes of grief are gone there are no broken friendships nor unfulfilled longings heaven poverty famine danger persecution and slander are unknown there There will be no pain to distress us, no anxious thoughts of death or bereavement to sadden. Those there do not weep, for they are perfectly sanctified. No evil heart of unbelief prompts them to depart from the living God. They are faultless before his throne and fully conformed to his image. Well, might they stop mourning, since they have stopped sinning. They do not weep, because all fear of change is past. They know that they are eternally secure. Sin is shut out, and they are shut in. They are safe in a city that will never be taken. They bask in a sun that shall never set. They drink of a river that will never run dry. They pluck fruit from a tree that will never wither. Countless cycles may revolve, but eternity will not be exhausted, and while eternity endures, their immortality and blessedness shall endure with it. Friends, as Christians, our individual and collective stories end in victory. We know how the story ends. It ends in victory, and so that's why we needed to start there this morning. So of all people, then, we we ought to be what? Most miserable? No, <laughs> absolutely not. Of all people, we ought to be resilient, full of joy, and full of confident, optimistic hope. Notice that verse 57 begins with thanksgiving to God. One of the significant reasons we gather each Sunday is to give thanks to God so often the busyness confusion and hurt in life we fail to pause and really give thanks have you truly given thanks to God today the Lord deserves our focused and heartfelt thanks because he has secured victory over the greatest opponent this world has ever known what am I talking about God has secured victory over death through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead as verse 54 says death has been swallowed up in victory Jesus Christ has conquered death and therefore each one of us who by faith have embraced him as as savior no longer need to fear death because he lives we will live also is this your hope? Are you on the winning side? You know, Psalm chapter 23 is obviously a very special psalm. Uh, verse 4 is very special to the Christian because there we read, Even though I walk to the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. You know, many years ago, uh, I've been at the bedside of some people over the years who have, who have, Uh, not soon after the visit pass in the presence of the Lord and I remember being at the bedside of my grandmother my mom's mom and I went to visit her when she was quite ill and we knew and she knew that there wasn't much time left and so she asked me if I would just read the scriptures to her and I'll never forget it because as I was turning to Psalm chapter 23, there was a bit of a pause as I kind of looked for this passage, and she grabbed my arm and she said, You are going to read, aren't you? And as I began to read Psalm 23, her head just sat back on her pillow, and there was almost a smile on her face and a glow on her face. Friend, she was passing through the shadow of death, and there was no fear. In her sort of persona she she was on her way to be at home with her Lord death has been swallowed up in victory because of the death and glorious resurrection of Jesus Christ to to the believer death is but a shadow a shadow can't harm you and as we as we pass through that shadow we simply leave this old world and its cares behind and we walk through the through the shadow of the door that leads to eternal life is this your hope and let me pause and ask you to respond to a question this morning again I don't know my audience I don't know everyone who's who's present or or, or viewing today through zoom or listening in but I need you this morning to think about and respond to a question that Jesus himself asked In John 1.25, he asks this, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Friend, have you secured and entered into the victory that Jesus has already won on your behalf? Because of our sin, my sin, your sin. He went to the cross and suffered death so that we might have life and have it more abundantly. He died and shed his blood. He was buried. Remember the facts of our faith that we considered last week? He He, he died according to the scriptures. He was buried. And the third day he rose from the dead according to the scriptures. And because of that amazing resurrection, that miraculous resurrection, Jesus overcame death. He paid the price for our sin and because of his resurrection friends we have the opportunity to get right with God through exercising faith in those gospel facts that Jesus died for my sin do you realize that today Romans 3 23 tells that all of us have sinned and fallen short of God's standard we've missed the mark that's the nature of the scriptures we read this morning that's an nature we inherited from Adam it's been passed down to, to all of humankind's sins. And because of that sin, we're separated from God. But because of his great love for us, he sent his son to die for us and paid a price for that sin. Have you by faith embraced Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, recognizing that he died for you, but that he rose again? And because he lives, we can live also through putting our faith in him. We can, we can have this tremendous sense of of eternal hope in our hearts by embracing Jesus Christ as our Savior Lord have you done that this morning Has there have been a moment in your life's experience where you've understood those facts you've processed the facts and you reached out and received Jesus Christ through believing faith friend we hope that's been your experience if not then wherever you are you, you, you can make that commitment to the Lord and get right with him right where you are just now Jesus said I am the resurrection and the life He or she who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? The future of our faith is the hope of eternal life and the reality of having a changed, resurrected body, just like that of our Lord Jesus Christ after his resurrection. In uh, writing to the church at Philippi, Uh, the Apostle Paul wrote this in chapter 3 verses 20 to 21 he says but our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await a savior from there the Lord Jesus Christ who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body and if we come back to our chapter this morning in 1st Corinthians chapter 15 Paul also writes this in our passage as we we kind of begin at the bottom and work our way back up through it. He says in verse 48, As was the earthly man, so are those who are of the earth. And as is the heavenly man, so also are those who are of heaven. But just as we have been born in the image of the earthly man, so shall we bear the image of the heavenly man. Friends, the future of our faith is the hope of eternal life and the reality of having a changed, resurrected body and living in the presence of our Lord forevermore. As we look at verses 42 and 44, again, backing our way up through this passage, this changed, resurrected body is described as, if you look at the language of verses 42, 43, and 44, this new resurrected body is described as imperishable glorious, powerful, and spiritual. Now, we read those words a lot. I've read those words a lot. But to be honest with you, it wasn't really until this week that I really began to think about what they mean, to study what they actually mean. I kind of had an idea, but listen to what those words mean. We will be Resurrected, those who have exercised faith in Jesus Christ, there's coming a day when we will receive new resurrected bodies that will be, first of all, imperishable. What does that mean? It means no longer subject to physical decay or aging. (laughs) No more aging. You know, it's funny, my grandkids one of them was looking at my hand the other day, and then my hand has age spots on it, and it's getting a little, you know, beaten, chewed up. That's just the reality of it. And they asked me this, and if my mom and dad listen to this, they'll, they'll hopefully get a chuckle out of this, but my my grandkids refer to my mom and dad as great, 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 great grandpa. And I say, well, easy. They, they don't want to hear that. They're your great-grandparents. And one great is good. They're great, but, but only great. One great, all right? They, they don't need to think that they're, yeah. So he was looking at my hand, and he said, hey, Papa, how, how come your hand looks like great, 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 great grandpa? Well, it's just the aging process. Dad's a little older than I am, and and, and, and our bodies change over time. They, they reflect the marks of, of aging, but one day they will be imperishable they will no longer be subject to the aging process. Secondly, we're told our bodies will be glorious, meaning it will be physically attractive. The marks of age will have disappeared. The scars, I can show you, they're all gone, right? The marks of aging will be gone, they'll be glorious, they'll be physically attractive. People spend a lot of time and money in some cases seeking to maintain that attractiveness. Right? And, and, and yet there's coming a day when our bodies will be glorious. They will be changed. They will be attractive. Thirdly, it says they will be powerful. With age comes weakness. <laughs> I heard a sports commentator not too long ago say, you know what, in this business of athletics, we have to realize this one fact, father time always wins. <laughs> our new bodies, friends, will be powerful and possible of things it can't do at the present time. When we think about the risen Lord in John chapter twenty and verse nineteen, we we read this experience which gives us a bit of a sense as to what our new powerful bodies will be capable of. In chapter twenty and and verse nineteen we read on the evening of that first day of the week when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders. After his resurrection, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they obviously saw the Lord. The Lord just appeared to them. Well, they were behind those, those locked doors in fear, he, he just appeared to them. We will have new a new powerful body. And fourthly, we read that we will have new resurrected bodies that are imperishable, glorious, powerful, and spiritual. This can get a little confusing for people. Spiritual bodies, what does this mean? William MacDonald writes this, and I quote because he says it so well, Here we must be very careful to emphasize that spiritual does not mean non-material. Some people have the idea that in resurrection we will be disembodied spirits. That is not at all the meaning of this passage, nor is it true. We know that the resurrection body of the Lord Jesus was composed of flesh and bones because he said, a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see I have, Luke 24 verse 39. The difference between a natural body and a spiritual body is that the former is suited to life here on earth, whereas the latter will be suited to life in heaven. The former is usually soul controlled whereas the latter is spirit-controlled. A spiritual body is one that will be truly the servant of the spirit. Friends, I'm looking forward to a change someday. I know that there are people who have experienced a lot of health problems and struggle with pain and and daily sorrow as a result of disease and and aging and and, and issues that so many people experience and so many listening today experience. We we pray for you. And I'm not suggesting anything that's going on in my body even rivals what so many people are experiencing uh, today. But I'll tell you something. I'm looking forward to a change. Part of the decision, part of the decision, not a big part, but part of the decision for me to retire was you get to the point where you realize this: what I've been doing all these years is really a younger person's game. I love to, to play with students, compete with them, be physical in my interaction with them and in terms of the sports and the things we're talking about, and it got harder and harder to do. And as I've said before, the kids are always 18, right? They don't age with me. They're They're always replaced by another 18-year-old who I have to try and keep up with. And over the years, that came hard to do. I I couldn't do it. My, my knees wouldn't let me do it. The issues like I got just wouldn't let me sort of keep up and be as active as I'd like to be. You know, the future of our faith is a victorious, eternal life with an imperishable, glorious, powerful spiritual body. Look out for me on the gym floor in heaven, folks. I'm gonna I'm gonna be ready. You know. Well, when will this change happen? Well, according to our passage it will happen when jesus comes again let's read that again in verses 50 through 55 sorry i declare to you brothers and sisters that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of god nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable listen i tell you a mystery here's the mystery we won't all sleep but we will all be changed in a flash in the twinkling of an eye the last trumpet The trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sin? The future of our faith is victory. The future of our faith is hope. And just like any victory that a team experiences, you, you know how it goes. We've probably talked about this before, but you know how it goes after a game has been played and somebody's won a big championship. They, the members of those teams often point to one person and say it's because of, because of his or her goal. It's because of his or hers home run. It's because of that touchdown that that, that person scored or threw It's because of what they did that we secured the victory. Friends, we we point to glory this morning and we point to the Lord Jesus Christ and we say it's because of him that this victory has been secured. What a joy it is to be filled with this hope of victory that has already been secured on our behalf through the death and glorious resurrection of Jesus Christ. How should these facts of a secured victory impact me today, impact us today? Well, notice verse 58. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Friends, knowing that victory has already been secured should produce a living hope in our hearts. That leads to strength stability and service this is a message all in itself but notice that this sense of victory this 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 reality of hope in our heart knowing how the story ends knowing how the game of life ends for the Christian for the believer for those of us that have chosen victory over the agony of defeat with that in our hearts with that secure hope that living hope to use the title of your series, Alive in Our Hearts. Notice that it should should cause us to be strong. We should experience strength. It should lead to strength. Notice the statement, stand firm. It should lead to strength. It should lead to stability. Notice the next part, let nothing move you. We think of the soldier and the physical battles the spiritual battles rather and and warfare spiritual warfare is described in ephesians chapter 6 we are we are told there, over to stand firm to stand strong putting on the full armor of god friends with this hope in our heart with the tools the resources god has given to us this should result in a tremendous hope in our hearts that leads to strength stand firm stability let nothing move you And it should lead to a commitment to service. Next we read in verse 58, always give yourselves fully, (laughs) fully. There's the challenge to the work of the Lord. Are you involved in the service? I know I'm speaking to a, a church full of people who are so committed to service. Let me encourage you to continue to serve, to fully serve the Lord. You see, so often we can be busy storing up treasures here on earth where rust, and, where, where rust and moth doth corrupt to use the old language right now we need to be busy laying up treasures in heaven serving our Lord what a joy what a thrill it is to be a part of, of furthering the kingdom of God are you involved in his service if you are let me encourage you to continue to serve and continue to seek to, to, to live fully for our Lord if you're not involved in his service in some capacity, speak to the, the pastors, the leadership at, at Wallenstein, and I'm sure they'll find a place for you to, to to serve your local community and get involved in serving the Lord. Friends, there's no greater privilege there than to serve our King, our risen glorious King. I need to finish. I need to finish before this voice gives out, and I apologize for the weakness of it but the future of our faith is eternal life secured by the victory of Jesus Christ through his death and glorious resurrection. The eternity in heaven will be experienced with imperishable, glorious, powerful, and spiritual bodies. Knowing how the story ends for the follower of Jesus Christ should result in hearts full of living hope and should motivate us to stand firm, let nothing move us, and always giving ourselves fully to the work of the Lord. Let me close with one final illustration. On a balmy October afternoon in 1982, Badger Stadium in Madison, Wisconsin was packed. More than 60,000 die-hard University of Wisconsin supporters were watching their football team take on the Michigan State Spartans. It soon became obvious that Michigan State had a much better team. What seemed odd, however, as the score became more lopsided, were the bursts of applause and shouts of joy from the Wisconsin fans. How could they cheer when their team was losing? Well, it turns out that 70 miles away, the Milwaukee Brewers were beating the St. Louis Cardinals in game three of the 1982 World Series. Many of the fans in the stands were listening to portable radios and responding to something other than their immediate circumstances. Friends, Paul encourages us to fix our eyes, not on what is seen, but what is unseen. In 2 Corinthians 4 and 18, when we do, we can rejoice even in hardships because we see Christ's larger victory. God bless you. I thank you so much for the privilege to share these two Sundays with you, and I'll continue to pray for all of you. At Wallenstein, Let's just pray. Father, thank you for your precious truth. Thank you for this wonderful, eternal living hope that is in the heart of each one of us who have exercised faith in Jesus Christ. It's only by your love, grace, and mercy that we are enjoying this position of privilege in your presence as a part of your family. Father, help us to, to be strong, to stand firm, and to seek to serve you, our glorious King, And for any who perhaps yet have not experienced this victory in Jesus through faith in his death and in his glorious resurrection, might they seek to give their lives to you today. Father, thank you for each one. Bless each one, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.